But we're going to go to Luke chapter 1. So last night for the Christmas Eve service, we kind of hit some stuff from Matthew and Matthew chapter 1 specifically for the uh, message. And then this, to, today, I want to kind of go through Luke 1 and 2 as we talk about the Christmas story. And Luke chapter 1, uh, mainly what we're going to focus on though, uh, this morning is John the Baptist. So John the Baptist... Uh, of course, he's kind of a. Uh, we see his story uh, kind of end with the story of the virgin birth of Christ. And I want to point out some things about John the Baptist. And I want to kind of compare him to a born again believer. I believe uh, one of the things that we see about John the Baptist, I believe, is a picture of what we are as saved uh, children of God. And John the Baptist, of course, was a very important character. Because he was prophetic of the one who was going to come prepare the way of the Lord. There was a prophecy about Elijah coming first. And we understand that John the Baptist wasn't literally Elijah. But he came in that spirit and power of Elijah. And so we see his story right before the story of Jesus Christ. Because he was born shortly before Christ. And we also understand too that John the Baptist's ministry started right before the ministry of of Jesus Christ started. And so, uh, without a doubt, Jesus is the focal point of all things. He is the preeminent one in the church, the Word of God. He is what this time of year is all about. But at the same time, the introduction to Jesus is in reality John the Baptist. He's kind of the story about that. And so, something uh, that is important, you know, that we need to remember too, is the fact that God uses his people to proclaim the truth about Jesus Christ. Because think about this. While Jesus came and died, you know, was born of a virgin, died on a cross, rose again, does Jesus go around telling everybody about that? No, He left that up to us, didn't He? That is, that is our job as believers. And what Christ did will not make a difference in people's lives unless somebody goes and tells others about him and that is our job you hear a lot of people tell these stories about how jesus christ revealed himself to them in dreams and things like that and you know i'm just gonna be honest i typically question those uh testimonies when i hear that uh, he doesn't do it in that way people are always talking about all these uh muslims getting saved through like jesus revealing himself and visions and stuff like that and i, I just i don't believe that's the case i think god uses his people to reveal the things about Jesus Christ, and he uses his word. And so John the Baptist, again, he was a very special person because of the fact his life, his purpose, was all about proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ. So let's look at some the story of John the Baptist and his birth. And I think there's some really good lessons that we can learn about ourselves as Christians. This is how we are supposed to be. So we'll start in verse 5 of Luke chapter 1. It says, There was in the days of Herod... Uh, king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went to the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, 
he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And you say, what does that have in common with a born-again believer? Well, you know what? John the Baptist had a miraculous birth. And as Christians, we all of us who are saved, we have been born again. And you know what? That's a miracle, isn't it? Our salvation is a miracle. Being born again is a miracle. John the Baptist's birth was a miracle. His, his mother was considered barren. His parents were old. They were past an age where people are going to be likely to having children, yet... She was able to conceive. She was able to uh, give birth to a son. And the birth of John the Baptist was a miraculous birth. And that is, that is a reminder of us as Christians. If you're born again today, like John the Baptist, you had a miraculous birth. And thank God for that. And so notice in verse 14, it says, And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. So this is something that the angel is telling Zacharias about his son, saying many's going to rejoice at his birth. Well, you know what the Bible tells us? Uh, the Bible says that when we got saved, in Luke 15, verse 9, after Jesus gives a parable, it says, And when she had found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of, angel, of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. So understand, when a person gets saved, when they repent, when they call on Christ, there is joy in the presence of angels. Many rejoice when one is born again. We rejoice when people are born again. As individuals, heaven rejoices when someone is born again. Because again, it's a miracle. This is a good thing. This is why Jesus came. This is what it's all about. The world doesn't always pay attention to it. You know, the, the world didn't exactly you know, rejoice at the birth of John the Baptist. They didn't understand what was going on. But understand, understand too, though, that many did who did realize what had taken place, who did realize who he was, and that is the case with us. So just some interesting facts that points out about John are things that we see about us, that he had a miraculous birth. Many rejoiced at his birth. Notice in verse 15, now, this is another truly exceptional thing about John the Baptist that you know kind of messes with a lot of people's theology. But notice what it says in verse 15. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. So notice John the Baptist filled with the Holy Ghost from the time he was in his mother's womb. Now, I understand that, you know, John, you know, this was a truly exceptional situation. And I, I still believe John had to be saved, you know, like anybody else did. But either way, God did something special with this individual, and he filled him with the Holy Ghost from the time he was conceived in his mother's womb. And, and so, uh, you know, one thing about us, we immediately received the Holy Ghost. When we're born again, Bible says too here after it says he'll be, be uh, filled with the Holy Ghost. He will be great. Another thing about us too, as soon as we get saved, the moment we get saved, we have the Holy Ghost of God that's inside of us and we are considered righteous in God's eyes. So right here, we just what God did with John as he gives him this miraculous birth. 
as he, you know, he fills with the Holy Ghost immediately. All of these are things that happen to us upon salvation. We immediately have the Holy Ghost. We immediately are considered righteous in God's eyes. And what an amazing thing that is. We all, I'm afraid we often take these things for granted. And these are, these, uh, this story, I believe, is a good reminder. Notice what it says in verse 16. It says, And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go forth before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So notice John the Baptist, God didn't just give him this miraculous birth. He didn't just fill him with the Holy Ghost just so he could be a great guy. He did all these things to empower him for a purpose, for a job, for a mission, and that was to turn people to the Lord. And understand, when you got saved, thank God when you got saved, He sealed you to the day of redemption. You're going to go to heaven, but He didn't give you the Holy Ghost just so you can feel good. He didn't give you the Holy Ghost just so you can have comfort and uh, you know all these things that we personally benefit from. He gave you the Holy Ghost to empower you to do something for Him. And what a sad thing it is when you think about how many saved people there are today who are not doing what God has empowered them to do. you got people out there today have the Holy Ghost inside them and they never tell anybody about Jesus. What a shame that is. Now, here's a great thing about John the Baptist. You know, Not only did God do all these things for him immediately, but John also did what God ordained him to do. And I believe that's one of the reasons Jesus said, among those that are born of women, there's none greater than John. And I believe all of us, you know, we, you know, we all have a potential and it, we should do whatever we can to live up to that potential. But think about how many people today are saved and are not doing what God has called them to do. They are not following the Lord. They're not telling people about Jesus. And that's a shame. We see in John 15, verse 16, Jesus speaking to his disciples said, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. So even not just John, Jesus' disciples, he said, I've chosen you. Not like the Calvinists say, for salvation. They will take that verse and say, this proves Jesus picks people for salvation. No, he says, I've chosen you for a purpose. When God chooses people, when somebody is chosen of God, it's not they're not chosen just for God to have as a possession. And whenever somebody talks about the chosen people, you know, we should always ask the question, chosen for what? A lot of people that believe that Jews are the chosen people. You should always ask the question, chosen for what? And most people don't have an answer for that. And if you talk to a Calvinist, they'll say, well, I believe I'm one of the chosen. Well, chosen for what? And they'll try to tell you, well, chosen for salvation, chosen for heaven. But the thing is, and then this is one of the verses they'll use, but here we see Jesus is saying, no, I've chosen you to bring forth fruit. That's what we've been chosen for. And whenever we're not bringing bringing forth fruit, we're not doing what God chose us to do. We're not doing what God picked us for, and that's a shame. We're not doing what He ordained us to do. It would be a shame for me, you know, I've been ordained as a pastor. 
It would be a shame if, you know, I've been ordained for this job, I've been chosen for this job of pastoring this church, and I do everything but pastor this church. You know, that would be that would be a shame. That would be a waste. And we always need to remember that as Christians that when God saved us, He also ordained us to go and bring forth fruit. And a lot of people today, they got their salvation, and thank God they'll never lose their salvation, but they are doing absolutely nothing with what God has ordained them to do, and that is not a good thing. But we need to understand, we are like John the Baptist. We have been chosen for a purpose. We are supposed to be turning people to Jesus Christ, pointing people to Him, and that means representing Him well. That means you know having a good testimony. We don't want to turn people. We can turn people away if we're living wicked, if we're treating people terrible. Uh, but um, and also it means we're saying something. We're doing something. A lot of people they want to just try the lifestyle evangelism where they just act sweet and kind all the time, but they never actually verbally speak about Jesus. That's not right either. We need to be telling people and we need to be representing Him well. And so. Um, turn well. Look at let's. We're not going to go read through this whole story, but uh, you know, as we read through Luke, we see the story of Mary, where she ends up finding out that she is going to give birth to a child, and then she goes and she spends some time with Elizabeth. But notice what happens in verse forty-one. I want to point this out. It says, and it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary. The babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. So notice that John the Baptist, even though he's still in the womb, he was excited to be around Jesus. And you know what? That should be the way we are. If you're saved, if you've been born again, if you have the Holy Ghost, you should have a desire to be near Christ. You should have a desire to be in His presence. And while we are not physically in the presence of Jesus Christ, you know, spiritually we are, and we that ought, that should be an exciting thing. But at the same time, too, we should have a longing to physically be near Him. We should have a longing uh, for the return of Christ. We should be looking for the return of Christ. Many people today are looking for, you know, they're looking for the return of Christ more as an escape from all the problems of this world, which is fine. I mean, I'm looking forward to you know escaping the problems of this world. But the truth is, we ought to have a desire to just see Him. We ought to have a desire to be like Him. And that's in reality what that blessed hope is, is that one day we're going to lose this vile body and we're going to be changed and we're going to have a body like His glorious body. That That, that should be a longing in every person who is saved. Because one of the things that we see in the Bible, the entire Bible is a story you know, of redemption. We see the fall of man right in the beginning where man used to have a fellowship with God in the flesh where God literally walked with man in the garden. And you and I, we can't even imagine what that's like. But we see how man lost that. Man ended up being banished from the Garden of Eden. They ended up being separated from the presence of God because of their sin. And what we see in the Bible is the story of God bringing man back into His presence. And that isn't fully going to manifest itself you know, until a long time, but you know, until after the millennium in its fullest form. But either way, 
we ought to have that longing to be with Christ. And I personally believe that 100% of people who are truly saved, when Jesus Christ comes back, when they are changed, uh, I, th- I think we're going to be excited. I don't think anybody's going to be disappointed when the rapture comes. I think, I think everyone, you say, well, I'm really carnal uh, and you know, I'm not that excited about it. But it, you know, the thing is, you're going to be changed when you see him. And you will be glad. You will be excited. And so John the Baptist, he was excited about being near Jesus. And we, we, should, we should be excited about being in the presence of God. We should have a desire for the Holy Spirit to do a work in our midst. We should want to be around the things of God, the people of God, the house of God. That should be the longing and the desire that's in all of us. You know, and it's sad today how many people, you know, they were more interested in the presence of Santa Claus than they were the presence of Jesus Christ today. You know, they, they, you know, they, they had to cancel their church services because it interrupted their Santa traditions. And, you know, that's, that's a shame, especially for saved people. It's like, you know, this is about Jesus Christ. He's what we should be thinking about. But, unfortunately, uh, it's become very acceptable to be super carnal as a Christian today. That, and I tell you, I've, I've just you know, been very burdened lately about just the state of Christianity, the IFB, and just how carnal it's getting. How many people are just, uh, it's, it's like they've just kind of given up. I mean, and it's because iniquity has abounded, the love of many have waxed cold. The Bible warned us about things like that. But, you know, John the Baptist, uh, he was not like that. He was excited to be near Jesus. Jump to verse 57. So, I mean, literally everything we're seeing about John the Baptist here in Luke chapter 1, we learn about us as believers uh, in the Bible. But notice in verse 57, this is an interesting story. It says, Now Elizabeth full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. Now, understand we're not real familiar with the Jewish culture and customs of that, of that day. But when I read this story here, I'm like, what is the family doing naming the child? And if you remember the story, we didn't read through all of it, but when Zacharias first heard these things about John coming, he didn't believe it. And God took away his speech. He was not able to speak. And they had told him, the angel had told him, the child is going to be named John. And so, obviously, they hadn't told the family about it yet. But the family all comes together. And they're like, we're naming him Zacharias after his dad. And his mother answered and said, not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And again, I'd be like, Hey, we're the mother and father. Shut up. You know, that, that, that's how I would be. But again, uh, different time, different culture. These kind of things mattered. And they're like, yeah, You don't have anybody in your family with that name. And it says, And they made a sign to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote saying, His name is John. And they marveled all, and his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. So that's a neat miracle right there. But notice how this individual received a name that was not a name from his family. 
you know, again, we don't think that's a big deal, but obviously it was a big deal to this family. And, and think about this, because we're, we're seeing all these comparisons of John the Baptist and a born-again Christian. Well, you know what? As me as an individual, I have a name. And my name is a name that I received from my earthly father. I was named after my earthly father. I mean, how many of you all in here have a name that was, in, and not, even, not counting even your last name, okay? Obviously, all your last names came from your father, but like a first name or a middle name that was named after a family member. All right, how many of you? Right, it looks like almost everybody in here has a name, a first or a middle name. My wife's back to shaking her head. Apparently, she was named after nobody. Uh, but, but, but she has a daughter, uh, the same middle name. So, uh, but you know, at, the, at the same time, you know, that is a normal thing. Well, when we got saved, okay, obviously, I still have my earthly name. The name Tommy McMurtry is, that's my name. Uh, that's on my driver's license, my birth certificate, all that stuff. That is my legal earthly name. But did you know what? That name doesn't do anything for me as far as getting me into heaven. That name does nothing for me as far as my, when I, when I stand before God, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to say, do you know who I am? You know, I'm Tommy McMurtry the second. You know, that's not going to matter. You know what matters is the name of Jesus Christ. And we do. We have, a, we have a new name as a Christian. The Bible says in Revelation 12, it says, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. And so as a saved person, even John the Baptist, okay, John the Baptist had an earthly mother and father. He had an earthly family. But the name that he received at his birth, it was not a name from his family. It was a name that was chosen for him by God. And I believe God's doing that too because John the Baptist is a picture of a born-again believer. And so we do. I don't know what my heavenly name is. Uh, I do believe God has one for me. But at the, at the end of the day, when I stand before God, the name I, that I identify with that's going to get me access into heaven is the name of Jesus Christ. And, I, and that's the name that is most important. And you know what? Thank God for that. And you know, there's people out there today you know, that, have, that have bad earthly names, but they can still be saved. Imagine if your last name was Dahmer or Gacy, or something like that. That would really stink. But you know what? You can still be saved, if, even if you had a really bad family name. There's people out there, their family names are so bad, they've, they've changed it. You know? and, um, I, and, I, and I wouldn't blame some people you know, from the families they have. So, interesting thing there. Another interesting thing about John. Uh, another thing, too. Look what it says in verse 66. It says, And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. So we see about John the Baptist, there was great wonder about what kind of child he was going to be. It was apparent that greatness was likely to come from this child. That people didn't understand what was going on, but without a doubt, there was something special about this baby. God had, God had done a miracle here. And... People didn't understand it, but they knew greatness was likely to come from this child. And let me tell you all something. 
If you're saved today, if greatness is a possibility with you. Not maybe not greatness as far as the world is concerned, you know, but at the same time, you know, again, getting people saved, that's a miracle. And you have the ability to be a witness. You have the ability to bring other people to Christ. You have the ability to live godly. You have the ability to raise up a good godly family that loves the Lord, to make a difference in people's lives. You have the ability to earn great rewards in heaven. You have all of these things as a believer. And when somebody gets saved, you know what? That should excite all of us because one, they're saved and on their way to heaven. But not only that, and we're always excited for that. Anytime somebody gets saved, we're excited. We're, we're thankful that they're not going to go to hell. They're going to spend eternity in heaven. But we should also, like John the Baptist's family, be thinking in our mind, you know what? Greatness is, very, is possible for this person because they now have the Holy Spirit empowering them. If they will surrender their lives to the Lord, they could do great things. And, and we need to make sure that we always have that kind of hope and expectation for people. And isn't it easier? Isn't it motivating when you know people are expecting good and success from you how many are motivated by when everybody tells you, you know what, i think you're going to fail you know <laughs> some people are motivated by that you know you just kind of rebel against everybody but you know if you are if you are uh you know if you get a new job start a business is it going to make you feel feel good if everybody's like you're going to fail you know that, that's not motivating you know and we don't want to be that way with new believers like you know what i don't even think you'll make it to the baptistry we, we don't want to have that attitude. No, we ought to have that attitude that, hey, you can do this, and we ought to help them get to the baptistry. And we ought to help them get their carcass in the house of the Lord. We ought to help you know, get them reading their Bible and learning a few things. We need to help people with that. That's important. And so the last thing we see, look at verse 67. It says, And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swear to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. And I, I want to stop right here because I love this because Zacharias, you know, talking about his son, okay, and, you know, and every father is proud of their child. Every father is going to be proud of their son and they are going to expect great things. That, that's just that's how we all are, just naturally. But notice Zacharias being full of the Holy Ghost. While he's saying all these great things about his child, he recognized the other child that was about to come who is going to be even greater than his son. And he said, Thou shalt be called... Talking about his son, you're going to be called the prophet of the highest, with a capital H. Talking about Jesus Christ. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. You're going to prepare people for the highest. You're going to prepare the one 
for uh, that one that Israel has been looking for. You are going to, look what it says, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. That's what we do. We don't save people ourselves, but we can give people the knowledge of salvation so they can be saved. We can give people the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We can prepare people's hearts for him. So it says, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give us light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts until the day of his showing unto Israel. So notice John the Baptist, he had the greatest and the most important job that a sinful man can have. There was one job more important than John's, and that was the job of actually being the Messiah. But understand that that is reserved only for the Son of God. That is reserved only for one who is without sin. And even John the Baptist recognized that there's one coming after me, the latchet of whose shoe I am not worthy to unloose. John the Baptist is nothing compared to Jesus Christ. And and, and John understood that, but John did have the most important job that a sinful man is capable of having, and that is pointing people to Jesus Christ. And folks, that is the job that we have been called to do. That is what we have been ordained to do. And that, and we, we cannot save ourselves. We cannot be anyone else's Messiah. We cannot even be our own Messiah. We cannot atone for our sins. But we can bring other people to the knowledge of salvation. We can point people to Jesus Christ that is the greatest job. That is the greatest work that a man can have. And so John the Baptist, I believe, is a perfect picture, not just of what, you know, of what we should be as a born-again child of God, but I because not everyone is going to be a John the Baptist. But the truth is, he is a reminder of the potential of every one of us if we would sell out for God. And right there, that's the biggest thing. You know, people, we, we, we all, I think we all greatly underestimate God's ability because we get way too focused on our own abilities. And remember Moses, when he's talking to God at the burning bush, God kept telling Moses, I'm going to send you and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And Moses kept talking about himself. You know, and, he, and of course he's being humble. He's like, you know, I'm slow of speech. I can't do any of these things. And he kept, kept talking about himself. Finally, God just kind of rebukes him. And I love what God said. He said, didn't I say that I'll be with your mouth? You know, God told Moses, hey, why are you worried about yourself? I'm going to be with you. And the truth is, Moses just had a, he had a faith problem. And so the thing is, one of the reasons a lot of saved people aren't doing much is because they're acting like Moses and they're thinking only about themselves. And we, don't, we need to think about the fact that, wait a minute, no, the Holy Spirit's with us. I've got all kinds of issues of my own, but God is with me. And because God is with me, the potential is unlimited. And that needs to be our focal point. And so a great lesson that we can learn there from the life of John the Baptist. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray this message was a help and a challenge and a motivation to everyone in here. Lord, help us to never forget the fact that You're with us and that at the end of the day, it's uh, we're going forth not in our own power, 
but in, in your power. And so I pray you'll help us to be like John and to live up to our potential and to be uh, busy in the most important job there is, pointing people to you. In your name we pray. Amen. And you are dismissed.